You'd think that as a video game podcaster and comedian, my life is all fun and games. And honestly, you'd be right. About 90% of the time, it's, it's pretty sweet. But every morning, I deal with something very, very serious. My face. You don't become an Edmonton 6 overnight. It takes work. And in my case, it takes good facial hair. And fortunately, I have a great facial hair tag team partner in Harry's. Hit up harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set and see what I'm talking about. Harry saw the tire fire that the shaving market had become and asked, how did it get like this? Crappy plastic razors, overpriced blades, all locked up like gold bars. And they said, no, we... We can fix this. And damn it, they did. Harry's ships premium quality razors right to your door. About once a month, I check my mail and there's that little box with everything I need to keep my kid presentable status. The blades stay sharp longer, which means an easier time getting my face in order in the morning. And the razors don't look like a dumb piece of plastic that a junior high schooler uses to take care of their peach fuzz. You have the facial hair of a man now. Shave like one. I actually leave my razor handle on the bathroom counter all the time just because it looks so damn classy. Harry's blades are German engineered and they're made to last. They're the best blades on the market for the best price and you don't even have to go out to get them. Set your delivery schedule and shave like a king. I know it sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. I've used Harry's forever. These blades are really freaking good. Highest reviews in the industry. A money back guarantee that you're not going to need and a subscription that you can cancel anytime you want. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening to the show. This week it is episode 97 and we are talking the iconic Metal Gear Solid for the original PlayStation. This is uh, this is the show that covers the far less popular and less loved Metal Gear Solid 2 before they cover the original iconic groundbreaking Metal Gear Solid 1 because we play by our own fucking rules here at Remember the Game Industries. But uh, it took a while, but we're finally there. We are paying tribute to one of the most iconic games of all time. Bradley McHugh of the Movie Epidemic Podcast is back on the show this week. And I'm telling you guys, we went deep into Metal Gear Solid. We pretty well broke down... Uh, the entire game. So if you haven't played it by chance, there are spoilers out the ass this time around. Just giving you the fair warning. This is also a long one. This is the longest episode we've ever done. So I'm going to be as quick as I can through the intro. 
and get to the episode about Metal Gear Solid. Uh, a quick little bit of Patreon house cleaning, including our Switch Lite giveaway. I'm so excited to finally be able to talk about this. Uh, thank you to everyone that enjoyed the GameStop episode of Expansion Pass, which is our Patreon-exclusive podcast that goes live every Sunday. Uh, if you missed it, I broke down how I would try to save the company, what I don't like about them, what I do like about them. And uh, I just I don't know. It's just I, I wasn't sure if anyone would like it or if they'd be like, you're an idiot and your business plan sucks. But people were like, hey, you're an idiot, but your business plan actually isn't that bad. So thanks for the nice feedback there. Uh, this Sunday's episode is going to be our monthly Q&A. Uh, and then I think I'm going to finish the month off by reviewing Streets of Rage 4. I just need a little bit more time to play it before I record uh, a review of it. So if you want to submit questions, topics, whatever you want for the Q&A episode, I try to address every single one. Uh, please, I'm going to just start saying, uh, shoot them to me on the Patreon page as we're taking away the prize jaws and stuff. I want to make sure Patreons feel like they're getting their money's worth. So for two bucks, you can submit your questions. I'll answer all of them. I'm going to put a topic in the Patreon page and you can just comment there with your questions or DM them to me if you prefer to do it that way. And, uh, if you want access to those, plus all of our old episodes, including a bunch of great game reviews and stuff that are in there, plus the ability to suggest games, vote on polls for the games that we talk about, submit questions, get a shout out on the show, all that stuff, just like these people are going to do. It's patreon.com slash remember the game, only $2 a month. Massive thank you to the following people. And I know sometimes when I do these shout outs, I try to give everyone a little bit of like a joke on their name or anything. We're picking up a lot of Patreons and it's getting really long. And so I'm trying to, I'm going to start doing them a little faster. I'm so sorry but i gotta i just i don't want to i don't want you guys to have to listen to like 10 minutes of ram of my i mean you listen to that rambling every week but not of patreon plugs so anyway massive thank you to the following people josh from press start to join kate roberts keegan wilson kevin donlin cryptovox luke r lord egbert mark McHugh, the former hall of famer himself michael mathis the movie epidemic podcast nathan w my friend Ole MF, I'm going to say it like that because I think it sounds awesome, Patrick Crossman, Rex, and then our newest Patreons, all these people have signed up in the last six or seven days, Jordan, Chris Wilson, Dylan, Duhow, Jason Cortez, and Kevin Hufford. Thank you so much for supporting the show over on Patreon, you guys, and if you would be interested, please consider it. It's only $2 a month. That's all we're asking for. Uh, quickly, the Switch Lite. I know that's what some of you are here for. We are giving away a Nintendo Switch Lite with episode 100, which will be going live on June 10th. I am looking at the Switch Lite right now. It's five feet away from me. It's that turquoise color. It looks really sharp. I took it out of the box just to see what it looks like. Dude, the Switch Lights are rad. I think it looks awesome. Here's how we're giving it away. We can't do Patreons pay for entries into a random draw anymore. That's against the rules, and I don't want to get in trouble. So... If you are on Patreon, if you are supporting us as of the beginning of June, so if your June 1st payment goes through, you're automatically getting an enter into the draw. If you do not support us on Patreon, you can get in on the draw anyways. It is free to enter, no purchase necessary, okay? here I'm just asking, please only submit one in, in email per person. Please don't be a dick and sign up like 12 emails and fucking get a whole bunch of entries. Like, I'm trying to do something nice. Please do something nice. What you got to do, if you want in on our draw for the, for the Switch Lite, send an email to memberthegame at gmail.com. The email is in the description of this podcast, so you can't miss it. All I need is your name and the answer to this Remember the Game trivia question, what is my favorite game of all time? Hint, it is the only game to get a perfect 10 on this show, all right? I want to make sure anyone entering at least semi-listens to the show and they're not, you know what I mean? So um, I've mentioned that a bunch of times. You have until June 8th to enter. Just send an email to that email address with the answer in your name. At, it's memberthegame at gmail.com. You have until June 8th. I'll reveal the, ep the winner on episode 100 on June 10th. 
Good luck, everybody. I hope someone that really wants slash needs this thing wins it. And again, if you support the show on Patreon, in addition to getting the extra podcasts and everything like that, you are automatically getting an enter into the draw just like that. And there's the Patreon plug is done. Um, news. I don't have a ton of news this week to talk about, partially because I'm trying to hurry up and partially because there's not much. But um, the big news, I think, over the last seven days is that we are getting a new Paper Mario game. And that announcement came out of absolutely nowhere. I woke up to uh, a text message from my pal Chris, and then I sent a message to my pal Mark and my buddy Brad, and they both lost their minds too. And we're all excited. It came completely out of nowhere. Paper Mario, the Origami King, is releasing on the Nintendo Switch on July 17th. Uh, I'm very excited, but I will be waiting on a review before I buy it. And there's two reasons for that. The first reason is because I don't think we should be pre-ordering stuff. That's just me. It just gives companies a pass for releasing broken games if they've already got your money. They're like, yeah, we'll patch it eventually. Stuff like, nah, fuck that, okay? Plus, if you buy digital like I do, there's zero reason to pre-order because it'll be there. They're not going to sell out of copies. I can go download it, go for a coffee, go for a run, come home, and it's, well, I'm not going to go for a run, let's be honest, but I can do whatever I want. I come back, the game is sitting there. No need to pre-order it. Second reason, um, the early Paper Mario games, i.e. Paper Mario on the Nintendo 64 and Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door on the GameCube, are awesome. Fucking awesome. Paper Mario on the Wii was... And it's been a very up and down franchise since those first two games. Um, They seem to be hinting that they're going back to the roots. God, we can hope for that. uh, I'm very cautiously optimistic that this is going to be a good game. And the fact that this announcement came out of nowhere is insane to me. I have zero doubt in my mind that was going to be one of the cornerstones of their E3 presentation this year. Because E3 got canceled and it usually happens in the first half of June. I think it was like June 9th-ish this year. So it would have made complete sense for Nintendo to drop this huge trailer, get everyone excited, and then be like, it'll be available in one month. And instead they're like, let's just get it out now because as I'm about to talk about, next month I think the game announcements are about to fucking explode. I think it's going to be a crazy summer, man. Between the random Tony Hawk remake news that we got last week and now Paper Mario this week, I think we are going to see a summer of announcements. And obviously, there are websites like uh, IGN and stuff that are hosting summer of gaming and events and things like that. Xbox has got a ton of events planned. I know Ubisoft has an event planned. EA has an event planned. With E3 being gone, all these companies have all these announcements they wanted to make, and now they don't have a platform to make them on. So I think we're just going to see a summer of announcements, which is fucking awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. I love E3. And I love that weekend of just watching game releases and stuff like that. But you're telling me I'm going to potentially get a whole summer of just random game releases every day you wake up, you don't know? That sounds fucking awesome, right? And the thing is, is once you get into the fall, nobody wants to compete with the PS5 or the Xbox Series X. They don't have an E3 to promote or stuff at this time. So I think you are going to just see each other, each of these companies trying to beat each other the punch and punch and shine each other up and everything like that. And I think, I think it's going to be a fucking awesome summer for game announcements if you're a game nerd like I am and I'm assuming most of you are. And I'll tell you guys, just right now, June, Last of Us 2. July, Paper Mario and Ghost of Tsushima, Tushima, which uh, looks pretty fucking rad for the PS4. August, PGA Tour 2K21. September, Tony Hawk remakes and Cyberpunk. That is a freaking summer right there. Like, I have no need to go outside at all. Outside, there's viruses and giant hornets. Inside, there's just a dog and old video games. And that is fucking, what a list of games this summer. And then we got new systems in the fall, right? Plus, potentially, these Mario remakes. And who knows whatever else fucking pops up. That's exciting shit, man. I'm pumped. Um... And that's it. I think that's all the big news this week. Like I said, it's a long episode as it is. I'm going to get into what I've been playing, and then we'll get into Metal Gear Solid. Uh, what have I been playing over the last seven days? You may or may not be wondering. 
Uh, a lot of Final Fantasy 15 on Game Pass. Uh, like I mentioned last week, most of the Final Fantasies are going to come there. And my goal is to just try to finish all of them, or at least most of them. Um, Final Fantasy 15 is okay. And I think if you read any review, anyone talking about it, that seems to be the overall consensus is it's like, you want to love it, but you don't. And I feel like that's how I feel. Every time I play it, I'm like, I want to like this so much more than I do. Story is a fucking disaster. The combat is hit and miss. The characters are cool. The graphics are great. I want to see how, how it ends. So I'm going to play through the main story, but I don't think I'm going to do any of the side quests or anything. My pal, Daniel, uh, I was texting with him about it and he was like, I've played through it once. I feel no need to go back to it. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like I get it now. Exactly. Um, so I'm playing that. I'm also playing Super Castlevania 4 as per last month's Patreon poll. Spoiler, it's great. I'm pretty excited to talk about it here on the show. And I'll tell you guys, like, I fucking love my SNES. I'm playing it on my Super Nintendo Classic. I haven't played my Super Nintendo in a little while and just fired it up in that controller and ah, the graphics. And just, I fucking love the Super Nintendo so much. I've been playing Streets of Rage 4 on my Xbox. Uh, the more I play it, the more I like it. Uh, I'm going to drop a review next weekend. Uh, and that's going to be from the perspective of someone that's never played a Streets of Rage game before. So we'll get into that on next Sunday's expansion pass. Uh, and then finally, I'm trying to get through Mario Sunshine on the GameCube. You may have seen my profanity-laced tirade about it the other day. The camera is fucked. Left goes right, right goes left, and it, you can't change it. And that's really fucking with me. But I am finally getting comfortable with it. I'm further in it than I've ever been, and I am going to finish it so I can do a podcast about it. And so I can cross it off my list and say I've beaten every Mario game. So that's it. That's what I've been playing. And then stuff like Tetris and Picross and Slay the Spire and just lots of video games because I have nothing else to do. Good enough. Let's talk Metal Gear Solid. This might be the fastest intro we've ever done. Episode 97. Uh, I know it took a long time for us to get here. And a lot of you have been asking for this game. And here it is. Um, regardless of what you think of this franchise, what you think of the story, what you think of any of it. I think most people consider this game to be a classic. It just is. It's a first ballot Hall of Fame game. I know I do. Uh, I consider it a classic, and so does my guest this week, the Movie Epidemic Podcast's Bradley McHugh. I am going to cue some music. Uh, get comfy, and again, massive spoilers. This is a long episode. It breaks down the whole game, so you've been warned. This game originally released all over the place on the original PlayStation on September 3rd, 1998. Let's talk Metal Gear Solid. Here we go. All right, so joining me uh, via the wonders of the internet once again from the metropolis of Calgary is my pal Bradley McHugh of Movie Epidemic Podcast fame. How's it going, buddy? Uh, it's going pretty good, going pretty good. Excited to talk about today's game because it's one of my favorites. Buddy, so this is, because uh, I'll be honest, like, I have some mixed, I have mostly good, but I have some mixed views on this game. But this might be the this might be the most common game that I get people being like, hey, have you covered this game yet? Like, considering by the time this episode goes live, we're probably going to be into the mid to late 90s, if not just over 100. And, like, everyone is like, where's Metal Gear Solid? Where's Metal Gear Solid? Because we covered Metal Gear Solid 2. You and I covered Metal Gear Solid 2, like, 20 episodes Yeah, a, a while back, yeah. Yeah, but this is the one that I... And I don't know why it took so long. I It's always on the game list. Every time people look at the game list, no one ever says, I want to cover Metal Gear Solid. And uh, so Did when you, you suggested it, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. 
Did you um did you replay the game for this podcast? I replayed it. Yeah, I played it on my PS Classic. I would say three or four months right. ago. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, uh, I was, yeah. So I just I just replayed it this week, and oh boy. It, well, do I ever? It's like it, okay. It, Go ahead. Sorry, with the phone. It's, it's weird. It's just, for, just for the record, sorry. For everyone at home that's yeah. like, what the fuck? Why could one of them does it? We're doing this via phone, so neither of us can see who's about to talk, okay? So if you're like, oh, I don't want to listen to the interrupt each other for an hour, tough cheese. You guys know what to fucking expect from this podcast by now. This is subpar at best, okay? So just bear with us and shut up. <laughs> yeah, anyway, we're trying to figure this shit we're out, all right? trying, god damn it. Anyway, uh, so um, I'll let you have the reins first. What, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, Go ahead. yeah, for sure. So I actually, I replayed this game this week. Um, of course, it's a game that I, I was thinking about it and I think like the same way that like I would use Mario and Zelda as like a definition of my childhood. Um, I would say the metal gear solid series is like my teenage years. Like okay. this is, these are like, I think I, I, I discovered this series when I was maybe 12 or so. And I, and I was instantly in love. Um, I was instantly in love. And I of course found it through, I actually originally found it through the remake of Metal Gear Solid with Metal Gear Solid, the twin snakes. And then I went back and played the original, um, quite a few times. So that's interesting um, to me. Yeah. Cause like I, I played this, like I dude, and I'll be honest with you, Bradley. I, and I remember this vividly. This might be the first video game I ever bought based entirely on people talking about it. Like, just, yeah, word of mouth. It was everywhere. And the internet was still kind of in its infant days. Like, you know what I mean? But like in gaming magazines and all my friends were talking about it and it has, it's odd because the case to it, like that distinctive white case with the red lettering is so boring. Like if you yeah, saw like it in a store, you'd be like, what the fuck? There's nothing. But like, it's just, there's something about it that just gets your attention because it's so, it's like that Simpsons where they're like, look at this place must be hot. They don't need a big ad or even proper spelling. <laughs> and that's kind of like, obviously they have proper spelling here, but they were just like, hey, this game is so good that we're going to put it out and everyone's going to be like, you got to get that game in the white case, that Metal Gear Solid game. Because it's not the first yeah. Metal Gear game, right? There's an NES one, Metal Gear. There is an NES game, which which I've actually when I when I fell in love with this series, I actually um, played through that game as well. And I know that a lot of people don't like it. I like it. I think it's fun. I honestly had no idea it existed till probably five years ago. I had no it, idea. It's, it's actually pretty a pretty ambitious game for the NES. Um, like it's really like it's it's like all the skeletons of metal gear solid were based off the original game. Like you're still collecting key cards and you have to use gas masks to get through like poisonous gas. Um, you have to like, it's, it's very similar using cardboard. You're trying to hide from guards, um, trying to sneak around. Like it's very similar to metal gear solid. So when I was playing it this time, I was actually thinking about that. Cause I would say this first metal gear solid game is the one that's most reminiscent of that original formula. Cause right. Like, like let's let's be real here, all right, guys. Hideo Kojima is a fucking weird guy. Oh, he is like because I'll be honest with you, Bradley, and I'm sure we're gonna get into it a little bit. If you want to hear my opinions on Metal Gear Solid Two, listen to the episode. Metal Gear Solid Two lost me, and that was Hideo yeah. Kojima, and that's his fucking weird ass mind and these weird. Oh, and it's 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 weirder now too. Like that's what's so crazy is like I remember when I first played the original Metal Gear Solid. I'm like, man, this game is really off the rails but now playing it again after playing the rest of the series i'm like no that shit's normal yeah it trailblazed for sure this game did yeah like this and, game and i yeah this game to me I, is I, as important to the stealth genre and that kind of thing as mario brothers is to platforming like, oh yeah is, this is 
this is king of stealth. Like, fuck Splinter Cell. This is the king of stealth right here. Yeah, like, this is a first ballot Hall of Fame. Whether you like it or not, and again, I have some mixed opinions on this game, but it's it's a first ballot slam dunk Hall of Fame. Like, this might be the most important video game that we have not covered on the podcast yet. Well, and, like, if somebody says to you, like, hey, man, name a stealth game. Metal Gear Solid's first thing coming out of your mouth. Has to be. Has to be. And it's like, you know, this was one of the few games they got on the PlayStation Classic that they got right. Like, like that thing is such a piece of crap. And there's so many games they left off that everyone's like, how the fuck is that? But if Metal Gear Solid hadn't been on, I don't think there's a bigger game, except maybe Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII and Metal Gear Solid were the two games that they had to have on that PlayStation Classic, or everyone would have been like, what the fuck? And frankly, yeah, what's I, even the point? Right. And frankly, I bought it. I mean, I bought it to hack it, but I bought it to play Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy VII. Like those are the two games. Like that's just it's the it's the Mario Bros and Zelda of the original PlayStation. Yeah, because nobody nobody looks at the PlayStation Classic and is like, you know what? I think I'm ready to spend a hundred dollars to play Twisted Metal. Yeah, nobody man. had that thought. No, you know, fucking piece of shit. Fuck, I hate that thing. Yeah. But anyway, but Metal Gear Solid. So this game. So you. That's crazy that you played the the. So like, I, I never played the Twin Snakes version. Is it basically the exact same game, or is it like a remake with like better graphics it's, and stuff like that? It's like it's like the better graphics, but there is there is a big difference between the original and um and this one, and that is um you can shoot in first person mode. Oh, and that's the big that's the big draw of that version. Cause you can't in metal gear Solid one, you can go into first person mode to look around and there's one weapon that you can use in first person mode. And it's the Nikita missiles, which by the way, if you didn't know that, Holy shit, is that ever useful information? I didn't know that. Fuck. I yeah, just replayed way, this game and I didn't fucking know that. <laughs> they're way easier to use in first person mode. Cause oh. like you're, you're actually following them. You just have to make sure you're watching the map. Like, especially in, like, that Raven fight where you have to use the Nikita missiles to sneak around him. Right. Just make sure you're watching the map to make sure he's not going to where Snake is still standing. Oh, fuck. I did not know that. This, yeah, dude, this, yeah. Dude, this game is, like, okay, because that was one of my big criticisms. And I understand. Like, listen, I played this game when it came out with my friends on my original PlayStation. And I and at the time, it probably didn't seem like that big a deal that we couldn't shoot in first-person mode because we just hadn't played anything like this before. So we were just like, well, that's fine. That's just the look-around mode. We can't attack. Um, but then you actually start playing, like, if you go back to it now, after 20 plus years of being able to play games where you can do stuff in first person mode, and it is just the, it's, it's crippling the amount of times that I died because I would shift into first person mode and then forget that I, you know what I mean? It's just instinct. I want to be able to yeah. do something in this fucking mode. And instead, all I can do is look around. Oh God, fucking damn it. Yeah. Oh. Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes 2 also does have one other thing that I really like. And that is all of the same actors came in and re-recorded their lines, really? which is an which is an important thing to know because there's six years between the original and the remake, and all of those people became better actors in that. Still not great, but better. Oh, that's crazy! Man, I didn't know that. Fuck yeah! Some some of the acting in Metal Gear Solid One is rough my yeah. dude yeah but you know what i love like listen because i've played uh, that's another game i played for the first time on this place i did when i got my playstation classic i finally played the original resident evil which i really really liked by the way but the yeah, acting yeah. is so cheesy that i fucking love it i'm like it's either either make it good or make it like awfully awful terrible bad and uh I always think that like as far as bad acting goes the the the, the king of bad acting in video games is uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. 
Yeah, that's probably. Yeah, really? that's probably. We're, fuck, we got to cover that game on here too. Yeah, you're probably yeah, right, we, that game. I, I I would I would do that game if you if you're learning. <laughs> yeah, I got I, I got to replay that game, but that's yeah, we definitely got to do that game. But Metal Gear is a masterpiece. So okay, so Metal Gear Solid, like, let's we'll do the good, then we'll do the bad, because I think there's more good than bad. Um, oh yeah, this is this is like one of my favorite games of all time for sure. Um, there's so much good about this game. Like, first of all, the story is great. Like the the story itself, a little convoluted, maybe, but as a whole, it's great. Yeah, that was like, going to be one of my good and bads because I, I I respect the fact that they're trying to tell an incredible story. And this game, like, I'm a big fan of like the Uncharted's and the Last of Us, like those first person, very narrative driven games. And yeah, like games almost, that play out like an action movie. Yeah, and this game almost played out like a spy movie back in the day. Uh, but like there are times and even replaying it now there were aspects where i was like what the fuck is going on like i get that they have this like machine metal gear that like has nuclear weapons and it's terrible and stuff like that but then they're like wow but there's also this other snake and this other snake is kind of like your brother and you're both made from this other guy and i was like what the fuck does it then so is everybody else apparently yeah like i like so it's i like i love like hideo kojima or hideo hideo whatever mr kojima Mr. Kojima, to his credit, he's trying to do something off the wall and crazy and tell a story, and he does. And I really liked the nuclear weapon aspect of it and the terrorism and all that kind of stuff. But well, and I think I think it's very interesting to have a, a team of Japanese developers and Japanese story writers writing a writing a narrative about the disarmament of United States nuclear weapons. Absolutely, yeah. And I like that that's, part. That's a very interesting and intense angle to take. Oh, no question. And like and I loved that part. It was just the fucking I just it was weird. Like I never hated any of it, but I just was like at, at one point it felt like I was reading two books at once. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like sometimes like there's a lot of stuff in this game that I think like if you play the other games, it makes sense and I think there's like a variety of like there's actually a game on ps3 i think it is called metal gear solid 4 database which is just like information oh wow and really it's it's free you can download it as long as you have metal gear solid 4 but it's just information and it's like it's a lot of information that's a good idea because there's a lot yeah. going on in these fucking games man but yeah like and let me and let me tell you metal gear solid 4 is the worst for all this shit like there's so much going on in that game I have no fucking clue what it's about. Yeah, it's like it's almost like he has a vision, and he the, everyone was just so afraid to tell him no that he was like, "And we're also going to do this, and this is going to happen." And don't forget that. And they're just like, "Yeah, okay." Like your game's going to well, sell because like, the game itself is going to be rad. It's going to sell a trillion copies. Fucking do you, man? Stick as much in there as you can. Well, um, the thing is, like this one, this particular game, Metal Gear Solid One, I've played through it maybe like. 40 times like this is one like this is a game i've played through a lot of times and i was watching i hadn't played it in maybe like five or six years when i booted up this week and i was watching the opening thing and they're like foxhound is made up of these people uh and they start going through all the bad guys like vulcan raven liquid snake revolver ocelot and like going through all these people and at one point they're like decoy octopus and i was like who the fuck is that yeah who is that person decoy octopus and then it turns out he's not even in the game. Yeah, right? Like, it's just, there's a, like, 
I'm not trying to shit on the story because I respect and like it. It's just there's so much fucking going on. And then that fucking invisible ninja robot shows up and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy now? And then it's like, he's a bad guy, but no, never mind. He's a good guy. And I'm like, is he snake? Am I snake? Is that guy snake? Is that robot? What the fuck? You know what I mean? Like there's so much. That's what's what's actually weird about this game is that there's some story elements, particularly the elements with the ninja, that actually require you to have played Metal Gear 2 which didn't release in the United States until 2006. Right. Like, there's just shit. Like, okay, so I don't feel so bad then because there's just, like, I enjoyed playing it, but at the end, I'm like, I don't entirely know what the fuck was going on. Like, I know that I had to stop Metal Gear. Like, and like, which I'm fine with, right? And the thing is, is like, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, especially when this game came out and we all started playing it on our PlayStations. Like, I had never experienced anything like this. Like, the, the deepest storyline I'd probably experienced in a game prior to this was, like, a Final Fantasy IV or a Final Fantasy VI or something on the Super Nintendo. And even yeah. those storylines were nowhere near the fucking chart it's, of web of stories that the fucking Metal Gear Solid produced. Now, here's, here's what I'll tell you, okay? Because when I was a teenager, I got so into Metal Gear Solid, like, more than I, than I think I've even made clear like i was so into this franchise when i was a teenager that when i play through this game now it all makes sense to me yeah you know exactly what's going on type thing but i also understand how somebody would be confused yeah like Uh, it's just a lot especially because near the end they just drop this piece of information for no reason and like and like it's just right there like there's this thing at the end where they're just like oh and by the way this is like an hour before the end of the game, they're like, oh, by the way, you have a disease that's going to kill you. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Where what? did that come from? <laughs> and, and, like, and like now I get it, but like I could imagine like playing it for the first time and being like, wait, what the fuck did you just say to me? What, what's this about a disease that like then everybody around him is dying from? And then like at the end of the game, he's like, okay, so I've got this disease. Like, is there a vaccine for it? And she's just like, live, snake. That's all I can say to you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, what the fuck? It's you gotta just, tell me about the fucking vaccine. I'm telling you, it's like reading two or three books at once and then trying to remember what was happening. They're all good books, but you're trying to keep yeah. track of all these books at once. And you're like, what the fuck? And another issue, it's, it's both a good and a bad thing, which is what I think the story is. I think there's good parts of that story. I also think there's, there's confusing parts of that story. Is that like, I I don't know if there'd even been a game that was so had so many cutscenes. It's such a narrative-driven game like this before. And I feel like in the future, not just in Metal Gear, but in gaming, people have really figured out how to walk the line. You know what I mean? Between like, we'll take you into a movie for a couple minutes and explain some of the story, but now we're going to send you back to the game. And in this game, like my original, when I started replaying it, my initial plan was to record a Let's Play of it. And then I quickly abandoned it because I was like, there are so many cutscenes that are long. And it's like they don't get split up with anything and it's it's a both a good and a because like obviously we've figured out how to balance that better in the last 20 years um, yeah i think i think metal gear solid 3 has like some crazy record about being like the longest ending cutscene in oh, any really? game or maybe it's metal gear Sol- no i think it's metal gear solid 4 because i think the ending cutscene to that game is like an hour and a half holy fuck fuck that yeah like this- which like also, don't get me wrong. Three and four are the two best games, but they're also the ones with the most cutscenes. Right, and like, and I, and I don't know. Maybe this is just my personal preference, but like, after a couple of minutes, I start getting like, I'm like, okay, I want to play. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, and maybe that's just me. Maybe that's the type of gamer I am. I didn't hate them, yeah. but I just it hit a point where I'm like, okay, I want to play now. And it's like, no, you got to listen to more. And it's like, well, I want to play now. Like, fuck. But you can't well, skip it. it. If, you don't, if you skip it, you're fucked. You have no idea what the fuck is going on. It gets especially annoying, like, if you die during a boss fight, which, by the way, you will. Yes, um, you will. If, if you die during a boss fight, and then they spawn you outside the door. This is actually also something that really annoys me about this game, is that, like, sometimes there's just things that are just, like, not quite right. Like, how so? You know? Um, when you go into a boss fight, the amount of life that you have left is what you have. And if he kills you, you're respawning with not full life. You're respawning with half life again. Oh, or right. Like, yeah. And that was something that really pissed me off. Cause like when I was fighting the Vulcan fight, I was going in with like a sliver of health and I'm like, okay, I'll just die and then come back in with full health. Whatever. Yeah. No, you're trapped. Now. If you hadn't saved and re- like you could reload an old save file or something, you were done. God, here's damn. what your op- Here's what your most, um, your like your best option is for that is to go back far enough to a point where stuff that you've already collected is starting to respawn and start collecting rations. Yeah, and just stock up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just yeah. and just stock up. And so like. When I was, I went in to fight the Raven fight, I didn't have full health. I only had two rations. I got my ass handed to me. And then I had to spend, I'm not even kidding, 45 minutes going back. Yeah, that is. To get shit. That is fucked up. Because the thing is, is like, I feel like the, because you're right, the boss fights will kill you. Uh, but I also really respect how creative they got with some of the boss fights. Um, oh, the, the boss fights in this game are fucking amazing. They're just very, yeah, they are. They're just very trial and error. Like, there is no run into an area, and it's just, well, there is one just straight-up fisticuffs boss fight, and it fucking sucks. And that's right near yeah, the that, end. But yeah, uh, the final, <laughs> final fight with Liquid is terrible. Yeah, but most of the boss fights, yeah, there's, like, you got to figure out, like, okay, so, like, when am I going to, like, sometimes you have to go into your radio, or your, eventually your radio will call you, and they'll be trying to give you tips on, like, you got to do this, you got to do that. And it's like, oh, and I, and which I think is phenomenal. I love that trial and error figure out the weakness find the chink you know find 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 the 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 cheat code to get through this but you're right it's like when you fucking die and then it reloads you back up and you don't have any fucking health and it's like oh i can't do trial and error if i don't have any goddamn health to go in and do the trial and error with it's both a good and a bad thing at the same time it's frustrating but it's so clever because i get so bored of just like listen i love mario but mario boss fights for the most part are jump on ahead three times and it's over yeah, yeah, you know, it's a Bowser boss fight. Yeah, know? whereas like in this game, like from from like every boss fight is different, and like I mean, do you have a do you have a? Uh, I'll ask you, do you have a favorite? Because I know right away what my favorite boss fight is. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Podcasting is a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time, every day. I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad, the ugly. I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And better help is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times, 
It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RememberTheGame today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash RememberTheGame. Uh, you know, it, like it's it's very close to me, but like the thing is, I love almost all the boss fights in this game, and I'd actually like to go through like all of them in a bit here. But yeah, if I it. have, yeah, well, you know what, you know what, let's just do that. Let's just yeah, let's just go it. through all of them because you're gonna be fresher um, so for, in your mind than me. Yeah. So the first boss fight is with Revolver Ocelot. Yeah, and that's where you're and in that, this, that square room, right? Yeah, you're in the square room, and you have like the guy that's hooked up to all the explosives. Yeah. He's like the he's like the arms tech president or something. I don't know. He's something. Yeah. Um, and so you have the revolver ocelot fight, which is great um, because essentially it's like a it's like a gun duel. And this is your first introduction to like this is going to be a boss driven game, which for the most part it is. Um, there's actually a couple of bosses I don't like, and I'll I'll talk about that too. Um, and the Revolver Ocelot one is fun because it's mostly just like chasing his tail and trying to shoot him, but you really have to time it properly or else he's going to get the drop on you. Yeah, it's kind of um, it's kind of funny that they make him the first boss and they're like, oh, Revolver Ocelot could shoot anything and he, he's the greatest shot in the history of the universe and everything, but then he's really bad. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, he's like, terrible. He's like, <laughs> like it just seems to me to like he should have been one of the later bosses. You know what I mean? But like, I get that they can't make the first boss like super hard either. He kind of has to be a teach you how to fight him guy, and even he killed well, him a couple of times. Well, I don't know if this, if this is spoilers or not, but if you look at like the main saga, like one through four, it's actually interesting because like because that's like the main saga, and then five is buried in there somewhere between I think it's like between three and one, whatever. Um, I don't like five that much, but um, what's crazy is that in Metal Gear Solid One, Revolver Ocelot is the first boss. In Metal Gear Solid 4, Revolver Ocelot is the final boss. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's sort of like, yeah, it's sort of like, it's sort of like a a sandwich of everything in between, but ultimately Revolver Ocelot is the big bad in the series. Yeah, and he's, and I like him. Like, I like his character. I like the way he talks. Like, I, he just is, he's, he's the classic bad guy and I think he's awesome. Uh, Yeah, I actually, I actually can't believe you've never played 3 and 4, dude. You got to play those games. Yeah, you know what? Uh, maybe I got two and three on my Xbox. I just like we talked about on the Metal Gear Solid two one. I was like, this is just too much. What the fuck is going on? You know what do, I mean? Like, do, th- do three, and then I'll I'll do an, I'll do another Metal Gear Solid episode with you. Yeah, I'll do three. I want to play five as well, but I just I don't know. I got too much to fucking play. I don't know. And like five, five is okay. Five is okay, but you have to play three to get it. Ugh. Fuck yeah. off, Kojima, with your fucking. We- anyway, all right. You don't. Okay. You do not have to play four to get five, but you do have to play three. <laughs> Fucking weird. What a weirdo. So, okay. So, anyway, you fight, so, fight Revolver Ocelot. He's like a classic old. He's got the guns. I picture him yeah, like he's, a Texan he, colonel. I, I, I died like, I think I died once on Revolver Ocelot, but for the most part, pretty easy. Yeah. Um, then you have the tank boss fight, Ugh. which is where you have to, you have to have the mine detector on, which by the way, they don't show you where the mine detector is. Just someone calls you and they're like, snake, use a mine detector. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I don't fucking have that yep i got there without it and was like what the fuck yeah. i didn't get a mind detector because i couldn't remember how to play it and then i had to go back and find a fucking mind detector 
Yeah. Oh, God, it, you will find out. You will find out very quickly that you have to be exploring a lot in this game. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Or else you're gonna you're gonna end up being screwed. Um, um, who is the guy in the fucking tank? What the fuck is uh, it's it, it, it's Vulcan Raven, Raven is in the tank, but you're not but you're not fighting him. You're yeah. fighting. Just like gunners. I hate this fucking boss fight because you have to get yeah, up near the tank and then throw a grenade in. But if you're not in just the right place, the grenade doesn't go to the right fucking spot and just yeah, it doesn't go into the hole and then and they'll run over you with the tread. Yeah, and eventually you run out of grenades if you fuck up enough times. And just like yeah, I, I hated you, this boss fight. I fucking hate. And you this have fight. to use like the the chaff grenades. Yeah, this is one that I don't like. I don't think it's very fun. And all that around the fact that there's mines because here's the thing: I wouldn't have a problem with there being mines if. Having the mine detector open didn't disallow you from having your rations. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. You can either heal or fucking see where the mines are. Like, yeah. To me, and like if you're dying, you can open up your menu and scroll down to the rations, hit circle, and then scroll back to the mine detector. Yeah, like That's to, obnoxious. To me, this boss fight plays out like it should have been in an action game, but Metal Gear Solid is not built to run like an action game. Do you know what I mean? No. Like it's so slow. No, not at all. I, I hated. I fucking. Oh, I hated this boss fight. I when I was doing my replay of it, I almost quit on that because I was like, "Fuck this!" I was like, "This game just yeah. does not work." I anymore. was like, "Here's the thing about this is that it's a game that I've played so many times, but I must have been pretty good when I was a teenager because I don't remember having this much difficulty." This game's pretty hard. Well, but I I think that back then we didn't these controls and the stuff mechanics weren't as ancient as they are now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think if you tried to play Goldeneye now, you'd be, it'd be impossible. Whereas back then, it was just it was so smooth and easy, right? And that's how I yeah. felt with this game. Is there's just so many mechanics that I was like, why? Like again, the first person thing where I'm like, what the fuck? Why is he doing that? Like, and the way he moves sometimes, metal, like the way Snake moves, and it's almost like he's on like a cart. Do you know what I mean? And like where he turns left and turns right, and uh, it's just I'm yeah, not used yeah. to those controls. That's all. So. Well, um. Yeah, when I when I played through this, I actually played through it on the like I played through with the like the original disc and stuff on the PS3. Yeah. Um so I was actually I was using the analog. But let me tell you something about using the PS3. This is something that I find really annoying is that maybe there's a setting where you can change it, but every time you start up a, a game on the PS3, um it, it just auto it just autos to whatever the game is the game you're playing is most familiar with. And so, obviously, because this game came out when it was uh, digital, um, digital uh, D-pad, that's what it, uh, my PlayStation controller autocorrected. So I had to open the fucking menu. Every time I had to go down, I had to go to the controller settings. I had to go from digital to analog and then go back. Oh, well, do you want to know what's even worse than that? Playing it on the sure. fucking PlayStation Classic that that set, that Sony sold us and was like, oh, hey, buy our, <laughs> well, don't even have an option. Buy our fucking handheld or our little classic console, just like Nintendo's. It's just as good, and it's got Metal Gear Solid, that game you all remember. But then it's like, oh, yeah, but you want to use the analogs? Ah, we couldn't afford to put analog fucking controllers in, so you have to play with the D-pad. And then it's like, yeah, well, you need fuck. the code off the back of the CD case. Oh, wait, we didn't include any of that either. Fuck, oh, so yeah. I didn't even fucking That's do what to do. That's the craziest part about it is because that, like, as far as I understand, the PlayStation Classic version is just a straight ROM, correct? Yes, it is. It is. So, and so there's like a part where uh, Revolver Ocelot goes, or no, no, it's not. It's the Unsex President goes, I don't know her frequency, but it's on the back of the CD case. Yep. And now I still have the CD case. It's a good thing there's Google, man, because I'll tell you, I was yeah. just like, how the fuck did you not even think of this? And like, and yeah. now listen. To be fair. Nintendo didn't think of this with the NES Classic and Star Tropics. 
Uh, yeah, like true. that. That there was like a code and like a note, and they didn't think of it either. But Star Tropics is like a forgotten gem on the NES. Metal Gear Solid is the flagship title on this fucking thing. I was just getting yeah, so like angry. When, I was like, God, what I wouldn't when, get when to be able to play that on, like they, they really should have thought about that. But like, I also remember the first time I ever played through this game, and the arms text president is like, her frequency is on the back of the CD case. I spent like an hour looking around in the basement yeah. and flipping through my inventory. I'm like, what? Fucking CDK. Yeah, you would never think that they're breaking the fourth wall and telling you it's the CD case, like the game case. Yeah, and then, and then like, I think even when I was a kid, I ended up Googling it, and then I'm like, oh, because, like, on the back of Twin Snakes uh, for GameCube, on the back of the case, there it is, man. Yeah. yeah. There it is. So fucking... Is, is the... <laughs> God, it's so fucking... It's so clever, though. And, like, and that's what I like about Kojima. I like the mad scientist aspect of it and doing shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, like it almost felt like it almost felt like Hideo Kojima was using it to collect test data to see how we'd all respond to these situations. Right. Yeah. Like it's just it's such a bizarre thing that realistically we shouldn't have all loved so much, but and, we can't help it. And and honestly, there's not a lot of games doing that even today with the breaking the fourth wall shit like that. Like this was really cutting edge stuff. And speaking of the fourth wall, is the next boss fight Mantis? I think um. It is. No. 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 Not quite. We're almost there. Who do you fight the next after boss the... fight is the cyborg ninja. Oh yeah! So like you're you're in you're in uh, Otacon's uh, underground lab yeah. and he pisses his pants. Which, by the way, I want to I want to stop there and talk specifically about Otacon. Okay, I like dude. Him. Dude's best character. Yeah, he's fucking rad. I, I love that. Character. I fucking love, and he's in he's in all of these games. Um. Except for obviously Metal Gear Solid Three because it's a prequel, but he's in he's in one, two, um, four, and I think for a stint he's in five for like a very short period, um, or like his dad's in five, I think maybe. He's such a rad um, character. The guy that works for them, but he knows that nothing's like that they're doing something wrong, and he's kind of like your man at the computer, like to reference Spider Man. He's the guy. Yeah, in the yeah, chair, the guy he, in the chair. He's the guy in the chair. Yeah, that's what he is, and he is such a great. And you know he's a chicken shit, but then he's also got some balls near the end and. He's a phenomenal yeah. character, man. Yeah. Oh, and he's I, I he's like he's just I would say as far as character development goes, between this and Metal Gear Solid Four, between one and four, like that's he's got the most. Oh, is that right? Like he's yeah, he's the most interesting character in all the games that he's in. Yeah, I'm a big I wish fan. he was in Metal Gear Solid two more, but there's the whole thing with his sister in that game that's pretty good that I actually really like, but um yeah, he's a. I, I I forgot all about him until I ran into him in this scene where he pisses his pants and stuff. And I was yeah, like, what, yeah, a, that's, what that's a, a good that's a good character. way to start. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like what a just and he's like and the way that like he's got and I think it's so ingenious that they gave him the invisible uh, the invisibility cloak because then they could keep working into the game without him getting killed because you're like, well, the fuck is this guy not dead? But if they make yeah, him how's, invisible, how's he, then it how's makes he sense. Getting around. Yeah, yeah. And not only is he can go invisible, but he saves you at one point when yeah. you're locked in the cell. Well, and like, what's crazy about this is that this, what I love so much about Hideo Kojima and how crazy he is, is, is that he assumes 100% with this character that you've played the other game. Yeah. So he's, he's like, you've played one and two, right? Like the old ones in the, from the eighties. And you're like, no. And he's like, too bad. Cause we're just going to give you information from those games. Like it's nothing. Yeah. Right. Like it's, and then, cause like they mention cause like uh, gray Fox is like your mentor in the first metal gear game. But he's um, he's on the opposite side of you in the second Metal Gear game, and you have to you end up having to kill him in 
in like a like a minefield. It's a pretty cool boss fight, actually. It's a good like, game. Like, but this is my issue. Like, I'm confused right now. And I literally just, you know what I mean? I'm just like, why? Why do you have to have such a weird fucking story? Just make the game. You've made one of the most clever, ingenious games of all time with all these crazy mechanics that we've never seen that are going to trailblaze for the future. And we're all respecting it. We're all like, this is really cool. But then it's like, by the way, here's eight fucked up stories that go back to games from the 80s that half of you probably even weren't alive to play. And if you don't follow all of it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yes. Exactly. makes me insane because I want to like the yeah. game more than I do. I like the game, but the story drives me fucking crazy. But, like, you like you have to do an insane amount of inferring if you never played Metal Gear 2, which, of course, if you played this in 1998 when it came out, you didn't fucking play it because it wasn't out in North America yet. H- having said that, though, uh, fucking what's-his-name uh, is awesome. Uh, uh, Gray Fox? Yeah, no, uh, um, the fucking geek. The, oh, Otacon. Yeah, Otacon. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah, he's a great he's a great character. He looks like a geek. He sounds like a geek, but yeah, he's fucking perfect. I really like Otacon. Yeah, yeah, and, and well, and he becomes like the more the more he progresses as a character, like the more well rounded he becomes. I love that character. But anyway, um, this brings you on to uh, the the fight with Gray Fox, which is probably maybe my my favorite fight. Um, is this where you're fighting him in the tech lab there? Like in the offices or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Because you have to use like chaff grenades to sort of stun him. And then like once you stun him, you get a you get like a couple of seconds open shot at him. But if yeah. you fuck around, you know, he's gonna he's gonna slice you with the sword and the sword does like major damage. Yeah, I feel like this fight does like what the tank fight couldn't, where it's a little bit of an action y style fight, but it does it 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 plays to like what the game can do and it works. Yeah, and like like being able to use the chaff grenades because like essentially you're trying to avoid being seen by this ninja so that you can use the chaff grenade in time to stun him. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I actually, I I really like this fight a lot. I think that it plays a lot. And this is the one where he like tells you like, you can't like you end up just going fisticuffs, right? Like you end up just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Eventually he's just like, he's just like fuck weapons. Let's just fight. And I thought that, that and that I also like, that's badass. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then you're just you're punching him. Although he's being real weird. He's being real weird about it. He's like, Yes, give me pain and you're like, Ew, gross. Yeah, he's like telling you to hurt him and you're like, I don't know. Yeah, he's like hurt me more and you're like, Ugh. But yeah, I agree. That is a great fight. And he's a cool character and I like the setting and everything and yeah. So Yeah, like he looks he looks awesome. Yeah. Now I think that's something that we've been neglecting to talk about a little bit because we've been talking about how great this game is. And sort of tiptoeing around some of the stuff that's not so great about this game. Uh, visuals are fucking horrendous, dude. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. This is maybe one of the worst agings. I, like, I can imagine in 1998 seeing this and being like, that's amazing. Yeah. But this game has aged worse than any game I can think of visually. I agree. Maybe Final Fantasy VII also. I agree. Because, like, listen, like, I've never hidden my disdain for, the, from, for this era, the Nintendo 64 PS1 era, Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, Final Fantasy VII, Metal Gear Solid. I don't think any of those games look that good. And I know that at the time, that was the best they could do, and we all get it. But you're right. I don't know if any of them have aged as badly as Metal Gear Solid. Like, playing it, it was just horrendous yeah because like you play you play zelda and at the very least you can see link's face like you know what that guy looks like yeah this game you know what ganondorf looks like this game looks like a like i I don't know how like you know when like i'm not i can't draw but you know when when someone really good like an artist is drawing something and they start out with like that really kind of scratchy sketch of the outline with the shapes and stuff yeah they make it it looks like they got that far and then just stopped 
And we're like, that's yeah, good enough. And, like, and the thing is, is that Kojima is so clever that he must have known. He must have looked at this and been like, this looks at sh- like shit. How can we really show what these characters look like? Use the codec. Yeah, which where all of a sudden their faces are super detailed and great, right? Yeah, it, well, because it's all hand-drawn and it yeah. looks awesome. Yeah. Like, the codec stuff all looks... Like, there's, like, one in particular that I think is so great and it's when you're, like, you're in an elevator and Otacon is, like... There was four stealth camouflage suits, and I don't know where they went. And then he gets oh, real yeah. close to the camera, and he goes, "Watch out, snake!" Yeah. And like you can see every detail, and you're like, "That's so crazy yeah. that I can see everything." But then when I see him in a cutscene, he just looks like he's wearing a morph suit. Yeah, he looks Minecraft. Like they look like characters from Minecraft. Is kind of what they look. Yeah, like, <laughs> like but... it, and it looks it looks terrible, and like it's unfortunate because like. As somebody who's played the game, and actually, uh, the remake looks awesome. The remake, right. which is GameCube era, looks awesome. But this one, just like, it looks so awful. And like, I can now imagine, like, the huge amount of excitement that people would have when Metal Gear Solid 2 came out, and Solid Snake jumps off the bridge and lands on the boat, and the word Metal Gear Solid, and you can see his face and everything he's wearing he's got guns and stuff yeah like, i can imagine the excitement that people had in their hearts when they saw that yeah i have to like i mean what i have to assume particularly with this game is that the powers that be were like well our focus has to be on all these weird mechanics and the stealth mechanics and the ai and the story and all these other things we're doing and like i you know what i mean like i have to assume that at some point like in the resources they were like the graphics are good enough. You know what I mean? They're like, we have to the yeah. focus, that, which is fine. Like, you know, tell the story you're going to tell. If you're going to make it a cinematography game and work on a story and all these like stealth mechanics and stuff, that has to be your focus over making sure that the guy's face looks really good. But it just, it does. Yeah, it looks and I, I agree. Bad. It looks bad. I, like, I think, I think they must have looked at everything they had and they said, you know what, guys? Something's got to hurt here. We have too much shit. Yeah. Like, something's got to take a hit here for this to work on a PlayStation. Even, even on a, Two disc PlayStation. This was, I think, maybe one of the first. No, Final Fantasy Seven. I was yeah. gonna say one of the first multi disc games. That yeah, played, Final Fantasy Seven is the seven. first one that jumps out in my mind. Yeah, the three discs. Um, yeah. So okay, so you fight that stupid. Oh, no, I, I shouldn't say he's stupid because I think he's cool. You fight Gray Fox, the robot. He's like a weird ass cyborg thing. He's pretty rad. He wishes. Um, he wishes to be hurt. He likes it when he hurts. He likes it. When and he then, hurts. Uh, and then from there you go on to. See, that would probably be my favorite boss fight. But from there, you go to what is my second favorite boss fight in the whole game. Um, and that is the boss fight with Psycho Mantis. Now, this, like, listen, I don't even think we have to spend that much time on it because everybody knows. But this is that famous fight where the guy has telekinesis and you can't hurt him because he knows what you're about to do. And then finally, finally, the colonel even comes on and is like, you got to unplug your controller and put it into port two. And that is Very- the the most fourth wall breaking clever to this day that would show up on any list of like the 10 cleverest boss fight mechanics of all time uh well i want to yeah I, yeah i actually really love that on the ps3 it was like you had to go you had to go into a menu and go to controllers oh excuse me go into controller settings and it's like it's a whole thing but um i, I do want to talk real quick about like the the whole memory card reading thing yeah yeah um because like in the cutscene before you fight him, he reads your memory card because he's supposed to be psychic. Right. And uh, I remember in the GameCube version, he would be like, "You've been playing Super Mario Sunshine," and then I think in the PlayStation version, he'd be like, 
I see you've been playing Castlevania or something along those lines. Right. You know, like he'll read your memory card, see what games you're playing, and then the cutscene will adapt. Man, that's fucking ingenious. Isn't it? But, yeah, but my PS3 crashed a few months ago and I had to format my entire hard drive. Oh. So that means when I played this game this past week, I had no PS1 games on my memory card. So he was just, so what he does instead, which I think is really clever, is he goes, oh, what is it he says? He says something along the lines of, like, you have a very empty mind. And you're like, man, I guess they had to have something in case you just never case. played a game before. Yeah, just in case. But just yeah, in it's, case it's your first Metal Gear Solid game, and he's like, you've got an empty mind. Nothing going on in there. It's a funny boss fight, too, because the actual fight itself, like, once you, it's kind of, man. Like the fight itself okay. isn't that good. It's fine, but it's it's just it's that single mechanic of him being able to read your mind and the memory card, and switching the controller, stuff like that, which just makes yeah. it so famous, right? Because the fight itself is just like once you can actually hurt him, then it just becomes a fight. But it's it's yeah. the setting it up that is so clever. So. Yeah. Now this whole time you're like um, you're sort of traveling with this woman, Meryl. Yeah. And this is another part where I think maybe this game didn't age as stupendously as i thought it might because man those inter those early interactions between snake and meryl are really creepy yeah they are isn't that the truth really creepy <laughs> he's like say he's like saying things like <laughs> he's like i never thought a soldier would have such a good butt and you're like yeah. god damn dude yeah yeah this was pre settled down this was pre me too movement uh yeah it is it's very it's very clearly pre me too movement because snake is like kind of rapey in his vibes yeah. towards Meryl. And his voice doesn't which, help at all. That creepy yeah. snake voice doesn't help at all either. Which is even crazier because it's his friend's niece, which is like, I'm pretty sure that's a porn genre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause you're right. Cause then like, cause he's like, she's the Colonel's niece. So that means the Colonel is yeah. hearing everything you're saying to her, which makes it even <laughs> fucking like, weirder. Yeah. He's talking at, he's talking. And like, sometimes he'd be like, I don't expect you to be so womanly. And you're like, snake, stop. Yeah. Like I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm like pulling my shirt back. I'm like sweating. I'm like, I'm starting to get a little uncomfortable here. guys. Yeah. I, I don't like fucking Meryl. She irritated me for the whole game. I just didn't get yeah, it. Yeah. She's annoying. Um, but then like after the psychomantis fight, you get more of this bullshit where it's like, if you didn't explore every nook and cranny here, you're fucked because you go into these caves and they're pitch ass dark. Oh yeah, you need the night vision goggles or whatever. They need are. the night yeah. vision goggles, yeah. and nobody tells you that. That's yeah. what's that. That's a, like as much as I want to say that it's something I don't like about this game because I found it frustrating. I actually do really like this aspect of the game that forces you to explore this giant base they've dropped you in. I think I do too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I to like a, it more than I dislike it. Sometimes it feels like they were just banking on selling players' guides. But, uh, yeah, but it's not yeah, that sometimes. broken. It's not like, I mean, cause eventually if you go through your, um, whatever the little radio is called, I don't remember the radio's name. Co codex. codex. Eventually if you go through the codex, someone's going to tell you what you need. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like that's part of the reason you just got to filter through everyone. Yeah. And eventually someone is going to drop the hint where you're like, oh, okay, I need night vision goggles. I got to go find them. You know what I mean? Or something like that. But if you've uh, never played this game, let me give you a little hint here. Otacon always has the answer. It's always him. Yeah, he's the smart one. Just go back he's to He's the Otacon. smartest guy. He's always him. Like, you can call Roy and he'll be like, Snake, we have nothing but contempt for your situation. And you're like, 
that yeah, Roy, you gotta, you gotta give me more than that. Yeah. I'm dying here. Help me. Yeah. <laughs> if you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer and for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul crushing dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work gone like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game and matters, but Kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That can be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac and every 15 minutes on the clock they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a CrashPlan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So then you, so yeah, so you crawl through the cave full of wolves and then you get to fight Sniper Wolf, but you have to like, and actually you go, you go, go into the sniper wolf fight, but then you have to, this is also something that maybe I don't like about this game. You come, you have to go into it and then she's so good at shooting you that someone calls, Otacon calls you obviously. Cause he's smart. He's like, you're going to need to use a sniper rifle. And you're like, I don't have that. Yeah. And then, and then he's like, I saw one in the basement of the nuclear arms base. And you're like that building I was in like, four hours ago yeah oh my god i have to go all the fucking way back to that building go down to the basement get the fucking sniper rifle and come back so much backtracking like so much backtracking and that's what and there's no and it's just i mean i guess they put the boxes in you could i never once used them to like backtrack oh yeah the the boxes are i like i would put the box on like when a guard was coming and i'd be like all right sweet the guard always notices that the box is weird always Always. He's always like, the fuck's that box there? And you're like, well, what's the point? He's going to look at the box every time. Yeah, always. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah. like, but the backtracking gets old really fast. And it's such a slow method. Like, oh, fuck. I, I hated it. Like, yeah, I agree with you. I, I forgot. I was going to bring that up when we got to Sniper Wolf. That was the yeah. part where I really was like, fuck me. Seriously? Like, yeah. You know what? Game. You know what I do? You know what's a weird thing I do like about this game, though? Is that like without being too flashy about it, it's got like the whole Zelda thing going on where every time you beat a boss fight, like your health bar gets bigger. Yeah. 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 And like they never mention it, it just does. And like then then you can carry more rations. Yeah. Because like I remember at being at the very beginning of this game this time around and being like, I can only carry two rations. 
oh, I'm fucked. Yeah. Like, but there's by the end, no way I'm going to beat this game. Five or six, I think, by the end. Yeah. Um, like, near the near the beginning of this game, I like, when I was playing it this past week, I was like, oh, this is harder than I remember. I'm probably not going to beat the whole thing before we podcast about it. Yeah. But I did. Yeah, dude, I found it a lot harder than I remember it being. But I think part of that is just, again, the mechanics have not aged super well. I'm so used yeah. to being able to do more than I could. Like, I was dying a lot just based on that. Um, and it's just yeah, such a and, trial and, and error game. It really is a trial and error game. It's almost like yeah, an like action. If you, if you go up that game. hallway and there's a, there's a guard there and he kills you, just don't go up that hallway again. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know? Holy fuck, this is, this is the longest I've ever talked about a video game. So for all of you that have been <laughs> waiting for Metal Gear Solid, here's your fucking episode. You got your Metal Gear Solid episode. Here um, you go, guys. You're all juiced up for Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay. All right, let's get back on track. Then there's, like, yeah. that, that, that fight with Sniper Wolf where really you're just trying to fend her off. In the field? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah once, once you get the sniper rifle, you go back. You're really just trying to fend her off and get her to fuck off. And then, like, she, like, she arrests you or something. That's the part of this game that I always found so weird is, like, they just arrest you at one point with, like, two of the genome soldiers, and you're like, I've killed so many of those. Like, why couldn't I have just, yeah. all right, whatever. <laughs> now I'm caught. Yeah, yeah, just like that. Now you got me. Yeah, you got, there's two of them here. I, I don't know if I can handle two of them. Yeah. Like, again, I get the uh, narrative, but they should have just come up with a cleverer way to catch them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Then there's this part of the game that I think is very clever and interesting, but I also hate it. The, the torture scene? The torture scene, yes. yeah. Because the torture scene, like, you have to hit that button pretty fast. And, like, once you get once you get used to it, it's fine. But if he does end up killing you with the torture, um, you uh, will, like, if he ends up killing you, you can't, you go to the game over screen, but it doesn't give you a continue option. Oh, I didn't know that. I never died on it. That's fucking, yeah, yeah that is ballsy. It doesn't give you a continue option. You have to exit back to the title screen. So after that, that sniper wolf fight, obviously I knew this. So I was like, after that sniper wolf fight, I'm saving immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to have to do the sniper wolf fight again, and I'm sure plenty of people did. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plus, like, you're... And then there's that torch... Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, then there's that torch scene, and then you, you escape from that because Otacon comes and helps you because he's got stealth camouflage, and then you move on from there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... I like that. I think it's think... clever. It's just because, like, cause I, at any point, I think you can tap out at any point during the torture as well. But, you can, and there's there's actually a reason for that, and uh, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but actually, whether or not you endure, um, endure or tap out during the torture, um, changes the ending that you get. Yeah, because I was gonna say, because then they kill her, right? Mm-hmm. If you give into the torture, they kill her, and so that exchange that you have with Meryl at the end of the game is actually had with Otacon. Oh, I didn't know that. I knew that she died and because uh, I because I did tap out because I wanted to see what happened. But then they were like, I read about it and they're like, no, they're gonna kill her. And I was like, oh well, fuck that. I want her to live. So then I like reset and like finished the torture and got through it. Uh, but yeah, that's good. Yeah. I almost would have preferred to ride off with fucking Otacon. I like him better. <laughs> you <laughs> I know, I, got I, away with him. I I actually like the Otacon ending a lot better as well. Um, even though it's like the coward's ending. The only thing I don't like about it is that it's technically not canon. Um, right. that ending the, the the ending where you ride off with Meryl is canon because if they kill Meryl in Metal Gear Solid 1 but she's in Metal Gear Solid 4 so it makes no sense yeah she has to be yeah so yeah uh, okay so you so you get out of the torture and then it's, it's like I'm trying to think like at the last there's a ton more fucking backtracking when you get to Metal Gear because you have to go yeah. to fucking code cards which drives me fucking yeah insane. well well there's there's like there's a few other things 
before that. Fucking. Um, because there's that fight, which is this is another one of my favorite fights of the game. The fight where you're fighting Liquid Snake in the helicopter. Oh, I fucking I hated that fight. I thought it was you clever. Did, you didn't like it? I, no, I suck at it. First person shooting, it's... it would have been easy. But without being in first person, it drove me fucking insane. Were you on that roof and you got to keep hiding from his stupid helicopter and then fucking zooming in on him at the right times? Oh, I fucking hated it. Oh, it pissed <laughs> me off so much. I died so many times on that fucking fight. Yeah, I died. I died quite a few times on this one as well. I, to, to be fair, I've died on pretty much all the boss fights we've talked about me too. at least once. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Except for I didn't die on Psycho Mantis. No, because once you know how to beat him, he's easy. But, it's fucking easy. Yeah. But that helicopter, I like. I like the idea of trying to take down the helicopter and everything. I just, I just kept dying. I think the only reason I hate it is because I kept dying. I couldn't get the there's stupid like, missiles to hit him right. There's also like this game is just kind of weird because like. There's one point where, like, right before the, the you fight the helicopter, you're on the codex with um, Otacon, and he's like, "Snake, here's the stinger missiles. Here's how you stay, how you take down that helicopter. You have to take down that helicopter." And then you leave for a while, and then you see Otacon again, and he's like, "What have you been up to?" And you you're like, "I took down the helicopter," and he's like, "What? Yeah, that's crazy! Right, yeah. <laughs> like, guy, you knew that's what I was going to do." <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's almost a He's genius. He's like, you're an action hero. Yeah, after he told you to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so you fight that stupid helicopter. Fucking helicopter. And then, and then from there, we get to what is, without a doubt, my least favorite boss in this entire game. And it's the fight with Sniper Wolf. And here's uh, why I hate it. The one in here's the why... Here's what, yeah, the one where you're in the snowfield. And here's why I hate it. This boss fight is way too easy comparatively yeah. to the rest of the game. It's way too easy. Yeah, it's almost like, surprisingly easy. Yeah. Yeah, like you uh, essentially what it is is you have to just find her with your sniper scope. And once you find her, you just got to be faster than her. And she's really slow. Yeah, and then you can see her, like just, her breath, like coming out from behind yeah. the trees and shit. So it's very easy to find. You just keep an eye on her till she pops out, shoot her, pop out, shoot her. Yeah, it's just I kept expecting something else to happen and nothing else happens. Yeah. Um, that being said, this is also, um, once you beat her, my favorite area in the game because there's so much like sheds lining this field that it's the perfect place to go and stock up. Yeah, agreed with that. Yeah, you just there's, run like, around there's it. There's tons of rations and ammo and missiles and tons of shit. This is where you want to be. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, but it's almost like they knew that like, while the rest of it going forward is going to be pretty rough. So yeah, you're gonna have to. You're yeah. gonna need some supplies. Go come back and get them. Um, and then you get to the. And then like you have to sneak through like a couple of rooms. And then Master Miller, who by the way, I'm not quite sure who this guy is. Which he, is they talk about they talk about him a lot in the game, and he calls you on the codex sometimes. And I have no fucking idea who he is. Yeah, and yeah. everybody keeps calling him Master, and I'm like, who the fuck is? And it ends up being like Liquid in disguise, but he's disguised as a real person who I still don't know who the fuck that is. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And, I, I um, feel like that with like a third of the game, but yeah, I agree with you. I have no idea who the fuck that guy is. Yeah, no no clue who that guy is. Um, but then like you're sneaking through these areas, and then they, they come up with all this information about um, like the fox died. This is like where you get the information about the disease, and you're like, wait... There's another angle to this shit. Yeah, this is the third book. Like, we've already yeah, got the bomb. We've already keeps... got the cloning. Now let's read the book about the disease too. Yeah, and once once you get to later Metal Gear Solid games, all the books are about nano machines. Fuck. Um, uh, I think you'll like three though. If I'm being honest, like if you, if you like 
if you like the fact that this is like an a, a spy movie, you'll love three. Yeah, I'll play it eventually. I will probably. I mean, I want to. It's, um, Metal Gear Solid three fucking rules. It's my favorite one for sure. But uh, anyway, back to Metal Gear Solid one. Yeah. Um. Then then you get to the Vulcan Raven fight, and this fight once you figure it out is really cool. Yeah, I like that one. Um, You're fighting him in the freezer. Yeah, yeah, and I spent a lot of time trying to hit him with missiles, and I found that it was working like sometimes. But if he catches your missile, he'll shoot it before it can hit him. Yeah. And so like it gets uh, obnoxious and like halfway through the fight, I was like, wait a minute, why don't I just place down mines everywhere and wait for this guy to just die? Yeah. That was all you do is you just put the mines down and then the sucker mini runs after you and he blows up over and over and over again. (laughs) And it's like, you you never clues into the fact that like, wait a minute, maybe he wants me to run over there. He just keeps running over there. Yeah. I I just put down Claymore mines everywhere and then just sat in a corner and waited for him to die. And so then there's that boss fight. Then you have the key thing. Oh, I hate the it. key card thing. I, I think that's the worst part it. of the game. I, I I think that it's there to pad runtime, and I don't know why. The concept like, of it game, is cool. This game, like for an action game, like it's uh, I think my my account was like twelve hours, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twelve, yeah, twelve hours saying, or yeah. something. Yeah, if it's, you know where you're going. A, yeah, it's not. It's not a. Yeah, yeah, and that's twelve hours is if you know where you're going and you've played this game forty times, like I have. Yeah, you know. It's not a short game, so I don't know why they need to pad the runtime. So essentially no. what this is, you have like this. Um, this there's there's uh, three key cards that are three, to override Three computers, gear. and you, need, you have one key card, and essentially you put in the first key card at room temperature. Yeah. Then you have to run back to a freezer, stand in the freezer for two minutes straight, run back before it turns back into room temperature. Yeah, before key, it warms this is up. The part. Yeah. Before it warms up, you have to run back. Because, like, have you ever... I, not, I didn't happen this runtime, but I've had it where, like, I was doing the last card, and I almost got there, and it turned back to room temperature. Oh, I know I made it with all three, but that would have yeah, pissed me I, right I made off. it with all three this time, but I've had it happen before, and it's really obnoxious. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like it's one card, and it's room temperature, then you got to make it cold, and then it changes to a different card. Then you got to make it hot, and then run back before it cools off, and then it's three yeah. different cards. Like, I get the concept. I even think the concept is cool, but the running back and forth and back and forth is just irritating. I don't understand it. So And then and then we come to the two final bosses of this game. Yeah, which, which both are suck. like, fuck you, Konami. Because, so, like, the game is, is hard, but it's manageable. Yeah. So then you, but yeah. this boss fight, you have to luck the fuck out. The well, the liquid snake one where you fight him up on top of the thing is just—I just found it boring. Like, and I did die yeah, that, in a few times, one, but it felt like a Dark yeah, Souls fight where you just learn the pattern, and then it's just a matter of how patient are you. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. It, well, and, and like you have to be patient during that fight, but there's also a three-minute timer for a yeah. nuclear bomb to go off. Yeah. So you're like, do I be patient? Do I be quick? But let's talk about let's talk about the Metal Gear Rex boss fight so he gets in this giant metal robot and you have to fight it with the stinger missile yeah this is annoying and here's why because every attack that he does and he does an attack every three seconds you have to be moving to avoid it yeah but you can't attack when you're moving you can't attack when you're moving, and when you apply, when you put on the stinger missiles, you can't move oh. while you're holding the stinger missile launcher. I hated that boss. Like I tweeted the other day that like fifty percent of all final bosses suck. This is one of them. This boss fight is yeah. just so fucking stupid. The game, the, it's it's like the tank one, but a hundred times worse because the controls and the mechanics of the game don't work for what they're trying to do with this boss fight. 
and it's and the actual robot itself is too tall so you end up having to like like you pull out your missiles and then you slowly have to pan upward yeah and this one sucks i spent like an hour and a half doing like the whole like gamer rage thing yeah. over this boss fight i admittedly um, only beat it with save states I, i'll, I'll with, be honest i don't care i save stated it or i wouldn't have beat it <laughs> like, and i was just so fucking angry fuck what's worst what's the worst about this i actually um uh, I, I i just beat ninja gaiden for the first time and i did the same thing with the final boss I was just like, I save stated, I save stated like between each boss. Cause there's no fucking way I'm going back and doing the whole thing again. Yeah. But anyway, um, in, at the, in Metal Gear Solid, you have this fight with Metal Gear Rex and you, and it's so hard and finally you'll fucking beat him. And then they play this cutscene where Gray Fox comes back and is like trying to destroy the radon, the radar on Metal Gear Rex for some reason. And he's like, I'm going to stop it from moving, which, by the way, he does not do. And after this cutscene, there's like a part where Gray Fox dies, and then you have the second part of the boss fight. Right. Yes. Yes. And if you lose at the second, uh, at the second possible part of the boss fight, you go back to the first part of the boss fight. Yeah. Which is a problem which in is a annoying. lot of video games. Yeah. Which is like, that's, that's fine, but here's what's annoying about that is that between the two sets of boss fights, there's a cutscene that you can skip, and there's a cutscene that you cannot. Ugh. So you have to watch that cutscene where Gray Fox is like, come on, Snake, shoot me, shoot me now, shoot me with the missiles. Every fucking time yeah. you die on this boss fight, which you will die a lot. Yeah, I, I honestly, dude, like, I don't remember ever beating this as a kid. I think I did. But I was so close to being like, fuck it, I'll YouTube the ending. I'm fucking done. I was so yeah. close. Like, what a it's a fun, good, great game, and then just this fucking shit ass fucking. Ugh. Yeah, oh, and fuck. like, and like, there's a boss fight that's similar to this in Metal Gear Solid Two, but it works better for the type of game that Metal Gear Solid Two is. Right. That's and that's my problem with the boss fight. There's worse boss fights out there. It's just the controls aren't meant to work with this kind of boss fight. That's all. Yes. Exactly. Then you have the last boss fight, which is just like it's a fifty cuff with Liquid Snake. Yeah, which is kind and of I have one big fucking problem with this boss fight. What's that? Because it's not hard. No, it's not. It's not that hard. It's just a fist fight with Liquid Snake, and you have three minutes to beat him, and you have the exact same amount of health, both yeah. of you. Yeah. No rations, no nothing. It's just man to man fist fight. Cool concept. Cool concept. Yeah, but there is a big problem with it. Is that Every time you hit Liquid Snake, he gets damage, like damage invincibility, which he always uses to combo you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. And sometimes you'll punch him once and he'll immediately go into that invincibility before you can combo him. Yeah. And then he'll just kick the shit out of you. And you're like, oh. Here's a tip for all the game developers out there you don't have to make the final boss excruciatingly difficult and frustrating. Some of the funnest games I've played, the final boss is just a normal fight and then you beat him and you're like, holy fuck, it's over. Like, that's all you have to yeah. do. It doesn't have to be cheap garbage. It doesn't have to kill us 12 times. You don't have to yeah, do that. Like, just let us finish the like, game. We just gave you 15 one, plus hours of our life. Let us just finish the fucking game and move on. One that comes to mind is like the Ganondorf fight in Ocarina of Time yes. is not hard, but it's really fun. Or frankly, oh, actually, I thought the Ganon fight in Breath of the Wild was kind of shitty, but at least it wasn't super hard. 
Like, just make it... Oh, the, the, yeah, that, that's almost too easy, I think. Yeah. But, like, I just want to beat the game. Just let me finish the fucking or like, game. Or even, like, Bowser, like, the Bowser fight in Mario Odyssey. It's just really fun. Yeah, exactly. So all it has to fucking you be. Know? Then you have to do that. Okay, so, like, we're over an hour. I'm going to fucking wrap this up. Uh, I can't, I've never done an episode this long. There, for all you Metal Gear Solid fans, now you're happy. You got your fucking. We just broke down the entire game. Yeah, we you, went through. We went through. There's no stone unturned on no. this fucking. All thing. that's left now is the car chase scene where you have to get away. You're in the car, and yeah, it's, it's and this fun. one's this one's again. This is very easy, but I also think it's kind of a nice touch. I thought it was perfect. That's a nice ending. Yeah, get us out of here. It explodes, and now we can take off. That's fucking perfect. It's all we needed. Yeah, that should have been Meryl the final. And Snake go out into the thing and then after the end credits you find out that ocelot was the bad guy the whole time and yeah he was yeah. working for uh solidus snake which of course is a, a, a total lead up to metal gear solid 2 now here's the dealio i we have gone over a lot of things i like and a lot of things that i don't i do not like that you can't shoot in first person mode, oh, mode. I think that's bullshit and even if you could using the fucking triangle button and the circle button that'd be awkward i think yeah even if you could but, but you can't. But okay, go ahead. Um, I think that the game looks like shit. I think, but I think it plays phenomenally. That's what's like so bizarre about it. Yeah, I think that if you had been able to shoot in first person and stuff, it almost would have broke some of the game. You know, it's the same as yeah, people like it might have been too easy. Yeah, those original Resident Evil games have those fucking awful tank controls, but I don't think the game would work as well without the tank controls because it adds to the atmosphere, right? And so, like, it's my my problem is not with the controls and not being able to shoot in Metal Gear. It's with the fact that they tried to push in a couple of scenes in boss fights where it's like they think you should be able to, but you can't. Like, that's my problem yeah. with it. If it's built around it, that's fine. It's just there's the odd scene where I'm like, this clearly feels like I should be able to run and shoot, but I can't fucking run and shoot. You know what I mean? Well, and of the first of the first like original saga Metal Gear Solid one through four games, I always count five as like a different thing because there's two fives. Metal right. Gear Solid Five. There's two games called Metal Gear Solid Five. Right. Um, I always count one through four as like a different thing than five. Um, and of the first four, this one's my least favorite for sure. But I love them all so much. Yeah. Like they all they all are deeply personal games to me because I played them at such like a vulnerable time in my life that. I will always take. I, I I've always said that if I were to get a, a video game tattoo, it would be from this game. For now, sure. Yeah, they're like I'm not even the world's biggest Metal Gear fan. This is the only one I've played through to the end. Um, but even I'm like, dude, this game is just so ridiculously important, and that case is so iconic, it's and Snake is yeah. awesome, and it it's just it's 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 Metal Gear Solid. It's it's one of the Hall of Fame franchises. Like I'm I'm glad it took a I'm glad we finally got around to covering this stupid game on this fucking show because oh, the, this game on this stupid podcast is what I was trying to say because it belongs on there. Like if we've talked Metal if we've talked Mario Brothers and we've talked Donkey Kong, we've talked Final Fantasy, and we've talked Halo and all these other like Metal Gear Solid is right there with all of them as far as Absolute, its impact I, on the industry. Absolutely, so. especially in like the past one because it feels like they're done with it now. Yeah. Like, which is, which is good, you know, like ultimately because chronologically, I think the, no, the last one is called Metal Gear Rising chronologically. And that game is fucking awesome, but really short. Yeah. yeah, I don't have a problem with them being over it. Like eventually it's just, everything comes to an end. Just stop. That's fine. Have you you ever played, you've never played Metal Gear Rising, right? I've only ever played the first one and then part of the second one that I hated and then I was done. Uh Oh, Metal Gear Rising is a super fucking awesome game. Um, but it's a, it's a Raiden game. You play as Raiden. Oh, I fucking hate that little weenie. 
Um, but it's uh, it's but Metal Gear. Don't, don't get me wrong. Metal Gear Rising is fucking awesome. It's a really cool game. Right. I'll have to play. I'll play more of them eventually. I promise. They're on my list. I'll play more of them eventually. Okay, we got to shut yeah, this down. I'll, These people have to get on with right. their lives. I know everyone's got nothing yeah. to do right now, but we've taken a lot of their nothing to do time. Uh, Ab- absolutely. Okay. How how are we ranking this bad boy? Uh, fuck, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Fucking out of fifty, because I can't think of a clever way to word it. So on a scale out, of one to fifty, of, what would you give Metal Gear Solid? I'm going to give it a forty-two. All right, that's pretty forty-two. Cool. I think I don't think it's perfect. But it did it did launch one of my favorite video game franchises of all time, um, and yeah, like it's it's it really is historical. It's it's definitely part of part of history yeah. forever now. Agreed. Yeah, I'll give it a forty. And honestly, half of that forty is because the game is fun, and half of it is just because of the influence it's had. Because it's not my favorite video game in the world. Like I don't know if I'll ever play it again. But I, I replayed I, it. I think I think I will. I like, I like this game. Uh, good stuff, buddy. Thank you very much for doing this. And all you Metal Gear Solid fans, you finally got your episode. Bradley came up with the idea, so thank you very much to him. <laughs> Have a great day. All right, buddy. That's going to do it for this week's episode, you guys. Bradley, thank you so much for coming on the show with me and talking Metal Gear Solid. And to every single one of you people listening to the show right now, thank you so, so much. Uh, we are getting close to episode 100. I have a Switch Lite to give away. Just send an email to memberthegame at gmail.com. It is in the description box with the email address. Give me your name and tell me what my favorite game of all time is. It's the only game to get a perfect 10 here on the show. You will be entered into the draw. Or... You can enter into the draw by signing up over at patreon.com slash remember the game. It's only two bucks a month. You get automatically entered into that draw. You get to vote on games that we're going to talk about. You get to submit questions for the Q&A and you get an extra episode of the podcast every fucking Sunday, including all the old episodes. So that's a great deal for two bucks if you don't hate the sound of my voice. Um, thanks for listening, you guys. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'll be back on Sunday with Expansion Pass's Q&A episode, and I'll be back next week with episode 98 of Remember the Game. Wash your hands, clean your controllers, look out for giant hornets, don't play Mario Sunshine, and I'll talk to you again in a few days. Cheers.